You're listening to Across the Table, a healthcare private equity podcast brought to you by McGuire Woods. Across the Table brings you inside the conversation with the specialists and professionals of the healthcare private equity industry. Hi, welcome to the Across the Table podcast. I'm Amber Walsh, chair of the McGuire Woods Healthcare Department, and my co-host today is my partner, Holly Buckley, who is the co-chair of our firm's healthcare and life sciences industry team. We are delighted today to be joined by two of our newest partners in the McGuire Woods Healthcare Group, focusing on an area that is of particular interest, we think, for all stakeholders in the healthcare industry, but including healthcare private equity investors. Today, we are joined by Andrea Lena and Janice Zahida. Both have recently joined us to really help expand our firm's digital health capabilities, and they certainly have expertise beyond digital health as well. But as a firm, we have recognized the importance of continuing to build out the strength of our digital health expertise, and certainly the pandemic accentuated that. So we are delighted to have Andrea and Janice both join us at the firm and join us on this podcast. We are looking forward to them sharing their insights. So, Janice, we are going to start with you today. Can you start by telling us a little bit more about your background and then share with us your thoughts on digital and health technology trends and innovations that you see coming in 2021? Thank you, Amber. I'm so excited to be here and share all of our information in regards to what's coming in digital health. The last year, because of the pandemic, has seen a lot of changes in digital health, and I think that's only going to continue. I've been fortunate in my legal career in regards to specializing in healthcare. I've been able to represent not only providers, all the way from health systems to hospitals, health centers, and to individual providers in regards to different health technology and digital health issues, especially in regards to helping develop telehealth and telemedicine models, helping negotiate health information exchanges, helping to form accountable care organizations, especially in regards to developing the data platform, and all the legal issues surrounding that. And then at the same time, I represent healthcare companies in regards to representing them in regards to developing appropriate data platforms, the appropriate contracts. And I've also dealt with representing healthcare companies in regards to developing clinically integrated networks and helping them form the value-based contracts models and developing the health information technology component of those models. So I think, as we've all seen in the last year, healthcare technology and the trends that are coming are all going to be driven by one thing. All stakeholders are looking at ways to use technology to enhance the future of healthcare. Stakeholders all the way from payers to large health systems to small tech companies. They're all looking at the same way to use technology to, one, enhance care quality, reduce costs, improve access to care, which we've seen with the huge growth of telemedicine and on-demand health care, expanding the data infrastructure and capabilities of digital health, 
Now it's not enough to have your electronic health record. We're going to be looking at trends as the government is requiring and payers as well. All of the electronic health records are going to have to be interoperable. I would imagine we've all been in the same situation as a patient and consumer of healthcare, going into one provider or hospital and saying, okay, here's my electronic health record from hospital A. And then perhaps the doctor says, well, you've got to go and see another doctor over here at at hospital B. But if they're not on the same electronic health record platform, if they're not interoperable, then you're stuck. And no one wants to be stuck in a position of having to have your copy paper of your health record carted over to your other doctor, having the facts, which we all feel very uncomfortable in this age of hyper-awareness of cybersecurity and data privacy, having to use facts things. So there's going to be a huge trend in regards to developing data platforms that are interoperable so that everyone is on the same system and is able to use these interchangeably without having to use different platforms. It's going to be very exciting. And I think, as we've said, even before the current public health crisis, there was an uptick in telehealth and telemedicine. But because of COVID, it has just grown no one could have seen this this happening. And unfortunately, a lot of providers in hospitals were caught off guard. They didn't have the infrastructure, the model, or the systems in place to do telehealth or telemedicine. They've had to develop it on the fly, so to speak. And I think we're going to see that continue in the sense of everyone has been able to do the last year, get the basics of a telehealth or telemedicine model in place. And those models are only going to become more sophisticated. I think investors are going to be looking at expanding capabilities around current telehealth and telemedicine models to expand capabilities beyond those. I think traditionally when someone thinks, oh, I have telehealth, I can go see my primary care doc. You know, just, oh, I'm, my kid's running a fever. Can you go ahead and help me with this? A 10-minute call. I think the current public health crisis has seen that people are going to want on-demand and remote care capabilities beyond just primary care. You're going to see investment and you're going to see interest in regards to telehealth medicine for behavioral health and not only psychology, but also telepsychiatry. We're going to see it in regards to remote patient monitoring. And you're going to see it even in regards to pharmacy services and being able to be able to get your medicine and your script over the phone. And even specialty services. There are data platforms being researched and also implemented at this point where you're going to be able to be able to get your ultrasound over a secure internet system. You're going to be able to see perhaps your orthopedist via the internet, via the computer. And you're going to be able to supply your ultrasound, your MRI, even your x-ray remotely so that you're not going to have to go in person. So, Janice, just a question around that. Above and beyond the kind of video and telephonic functionality of telemedicine, you were mentioning maybe some further modalities that are going to be or could be incorporated into the telemedicine encounter. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that would look? I mean, a patient's going to need to have medical equipment shipped to their homes in order to engage in these services, or how will that work? 
Well, I guess there's there's two ways that they're doing it. Like at this point, a lot of doctors are able to do remote patient monitoring with, let's say, you know, traditional bulky equipment. Like, okay, you're going to have like a heart monitoring system, blood pressure, things of that nature. That's going to evolve. And what they're calling it, and I'm sure everyone's heard this phrase is, it's the internet of things. And I'm sure everyone has on their wrist right now, an Apple Watch, or if you're an Android person like me, you have a Samsung Watch, and those are able to monitor you. So everyone has it like, okay, I'm going to do 10,000 steps today, or I'm going to make sure that I get up and walk around from my desk if, if I've been sitting here for more than an hour. That is evolving and becoming much more sophisticated. There are called therapeutic apps, wellness apps, and I think there's even going to be patient monitoring apps so that doctors and your care providers are going to be able to monitor you, not necessarily through traditional equipment that you're going to have to order, get delivered to your house, things of that nature. They're going to be able to do it through your computer, through a wearable on your wrist so that they can monitor your blood pressure. They can monitor your heart rate to make sure that your wellness is staying on track, things of that nature. And all of that data is going to be used with your primary care provider. If it's going to be measuring your blood glucose level, it's going to be with your specialty care doc, if you're seeing your endocrinologist, things of that nature. So when we talk about interoperability with your electronic health record, I think the coming trend in regards to technology is going to be interoperability in regards to all of your medical information, just personal, through wearable devices, through applications, software, things of that nature. That's fascinating. And from your perspective, what do you think are some of the more exciting investor areas here? Is it around data? Is it around the hardware? Is it software? Is it kind of the payer side of things in terms of care management? What do you think are some of the more exciting investor opportunities here? I think at this point, everyone is looking at artificial intelligence. So everything is going to be driven by data. And they're going to say, well, how am I going to be able to use this data? So you're looking at data platforms, and they're going to be using it to track analysis of the data. So at this point, everyone's producing data, so what do you do with that data? In artificial intelligence and even machine learning, you're able to use all of that data that's being produced by a hospital, by clinically integrated providers, by even your behavioral health provider or your orthopedist, things of that nature. What you want to do is be able to take all of that data that you're producing and using artificial intelligence platforms and analytic tools to track all of that data. And you're tracking it not only to make sure that your patient is being taken care of well. There is a huge uptick in regards to value-based care models. And all of that quality data that is going to drive value-based care models are going to have to be used through the right metrics and with the right artificial intelligence tools. They're able to use all of this data quickly, more efficiently, and they're able to keep down costs and at the same time improve patient outcomes. Janice, let's talk a little bit about other 
stakeholders? You know, you've mentioned a lot, um, you're just talking about investors, obviously patients, critical stakeholders, a lot of different provider types, but there's a lot of other stakeholders in the industry. And who do you view as really critical in these advancements? Love to hear your thoughts on that. That is a really good question because traditionally when we think of digital health, like you said, we think of either providers or the life sciences. But I think, and I think we've seen this because of the huge public health emergency, what you're looking at is both government and private payers getting into adopting and even being the bandwagon for digital health innovation and technology and the government and the regulators. Who would have thought that your government regulator is going to want to adopt technology to make things easier? But if anything has shown because of COVID and the public health emergency, everyone is going to have to adopt health technology and use it as an accelerator to move forward. And I think we've seen that. I think what's interesting is that because of the public health emergency, you've seen reimbursement models. CMS has said we're going to reimburse for telemedicine, not only for primary care. I think you're going to see trends in regards to payers, both private and the government, reimbursing for beyond like behavioral health, for specialty care, things of that nature. We've seen the waiving of the HIPAA rules in regards to penalties for telehealth. I think those are going to continue even after the public health emergency, and I think those are going to evolve and make it easier. And in regards to state licensure barriers, in regards to doing telehealth and telemedicine across state lines, those are going to be fluid, and those are going to be much more user-friendly and relaxed as we go forward. What I also want to talk about in regards to the stakeholders is when I talked about artificial intelligence, I think what we're also looking at is I've seen a lot of investment in regards to virtual reality, too. And there's some really exciting projects. At this point, we always think of virtual reality as just your teenager using it for a video game. But there is investment and trends in regards to using it for your smartphone camera to check your body, to check your respiratory system, your cardiovascular system, things of that nature. Medical practices are using it to improve safety. Also in regards to patient care, in regards to major operations. In regards to artificial intelligence, there's a huge trend in robotics. Everyone knows that robotics is being used in surgery, but there's a trend in using robotics even for daily patient care. We're going to see trends in that. We've also seen in regards to the health tracking apps and the therapeutic apps. So those are just going to explode. Great. Thank you, Janice. We're now going to turn to Andrea Linas. Andrea, can you share a bit more about your background first and then maybe describe the key regulatory issues that you often see in your practice with digital health and technology projects? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great to be here with all of you. I focus my practice on digital health, so I help healthcare companies navigate telehealth, telemedicine, remote patient monitoring, different emerging technologies, HIPAA, healthcare IT, such as electronic medical records. And then I also work with healthcare companies across the spectrum on mergers and acquisitions and other regulatory compliance issues. 
And I've been working in the telehealth space for some time before it was even popular, before it took off. So it's been really interesting to watch it expand and change during this pandemic and really love working in this space. So as far as the regulatory issues that I'm often seeing, I think number one, and Janice touched on this already, is data. Digital health is, in its essence, it's really about healthcare data. It's about the flow of data to healthcare provider and to a patient from a distance. So it's really important for providers and also investors to really understand, okay, what is the flow of data? What kind of data am I obtaining? You know, where is it going and what laws apply? Is that HIPAA? Is it state privacy laws, CCPA, GDPR? So it becomes complex in the data space just because it's moving in all different states and sometimes around the world. There's a lot of complexity there that's in addition to a traditional healthcare company where maybe you're located in a couple of states and you need to really have a good understanding of those states here. You know, it's just nationwide or worldwide. And then in addition to traditional telehealth, where you just have that real-time synchronous video chat with your provider, there's all the data privacy issues around wearables. So this could be wearables you receive from your provider, like you guys were talking about, or even something as simple as an Apple Watch is just collecting a crazy amount of data about everything essentially that's going on in your life. And so how is that data being protected and how is the consumer expecting that data to be protected? To me, there seems to be a real trend that we don't trust social media companies, we don't trust technology companies today, and we're very skeptical about the use of our data. So to me, it's it's very important for companies that are investing in technology or entrepreneurs or the like to really think about data security because if that that could really limit all the progress that we've made in this space over the past year. And then also to jump on what Janice said about artificial intelligence, that's another further complication in the data space is we don't know how that's going to be regulated yet. So there's been actually some guidance from HHS that was out last month that starts to hint that they are looking into regulating the use of AI in the healthcare space. So that's definitely exciting and something to watch out for. Another big one is payment, how there's constant rapid change on a federal and state level. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, and watching the presidential press releases and everything that I ever knew about telehealth just changed within a, you know, a few minutes and the tsunami that we all felt of executive orders and changes related to all healthcare, but particularly virtual care. So now that that is settled somewhat, we're going to see a second flurry of bills and we already see it on the state and federal level of just trying to figure out, okay, what does this look like post pandemic and what how are things going to be reimbursed and in what way? And so people that are investing in this space or working in this space are trying to figure that out. And so what does that mean for our business right now? Where do we think this is going? If we do, I think there's a lot of pressure and things are going to are going to change and stay in place, very similar to what it is during the pandemic. For Idaho, for example, came out and said, well, you know, all those changes we made because of the pandemic to telehealth, they're here to stay. We just made them all permanent. So we are seeing a lot of movement, but there's still some uncertainty around payment and what's going to be paid for. And then regulatory change in addition to payment, like changes in licensure and out-of-state practice, malpractice requirements, corporate practice of medicine is another one that I deal with frequently that I think 
most people, when they think of telehealth, don't necessarily think of corporate practice of medicine, but applies in the same way that we deal with it today with traditional practices. So it's really those big three areas are plenty of, you know, issues, regulatory issues that come up almost every time. And Andrea, maybe switching gears a little from the regulatory to the enforcement climate. And the last year, as you, I think, referred to it as a tsunami, I think we all certainly have our own words, but it was certainly not calm for anyone. With so much rapid change and providers really scrambling to adapt, how do you think the enforcement climate is going to look for providers who maybe notwithstanding the additional grace that state and federal governments offered to providers to enable these new and innovative ways of rendering care, there was uh, surely a lot of providers who maybe did things that weren't fully within the rules. Do you think Mm -hmm. there's going to be some grace on on the enforcement side, or do you think this is going to be a a huge area for enforcement from the government in the coming months and years? Yeah, I think there's going to be some grace at the beginning, right, as long as you're acting in good faith. I think there's going to get to a point where you're not going to have an excuse anymore that it should be done correctly. I mean, you look at HIPAA where, yes, they've made some pullbacks and they're saying, well, you can provide digital health over Zoom or Skype or even like Facebook at times, which I don't think that that's here to stay. I think that will eventually be rolled back. So, yes, there may be a little bit of time for providers to get things together. But eventually, yes, I think there is going to be some pressure on providers to make sure, again, on the data front, is patients are expecting their sensitive information to be treated as such. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to last forever. It definitely exists right now, but it will certainly change. Thank you. Can you maybe share some interesting experience you've had helping investors with interesting regulatory issues in this space? Yeah, my role, I really see it as I just help them get through the maze, right? There's just such a tangle of requirements for telehealth and digital health, whether that's traditional telehealth, whether that's wearables. There are just so many different laws to think about. And, you know, my clients are trying to run their business or providers are trying to see patients. And it just becomes to be such a huge task to stay on top of all those things. And how do those state laws work together? How should we be preparing for what's next? So I really see myself as walking them through that and helping them stay on top of all those different items, which is complex, but also really exciting. And I think very helpful to these businesses because they need to know what do we have to do today, but what do we need to do a year from now? And how can we make sure that our businesses are in compliance when this pandemic is over and that our business model is still strong? Great. And final question for you, Andrea, what are you most excited about in the digital health space for the next uh, year or two? I am just really excited about, there's just so much optimism. There's just this 2020, as terrible as it was, really was a breakthrough moment for telehealth. And we saw this great advancement, reduced regulatory burdens, widespread adoption, I mean, that's a big one for me is even myself practicing in the telehealth space. If I didn't feel well, I frequently would think, oh, go to the urgent care. I didn't think about the fact that my physician is in my pocket. It's in my phone. And I think people, because of this situation, 
finally have started to change that behavior. And that was another problem with telehealth is people were not thinking about their technology in the way they are now. So that's incredibly exciting to me. I just think that this, we're really going to move forward and move forward quickly. And all those moments of me going to conferences and not having any updates for the audience on all the great things that have changed with telehealth are definitely over and 2021 and beyond are going to be a really good years for telehealth and digital health. Wonderful. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up. I want to thank our guests, Janice Sahita and Andrea Lina. We're so happy to have you at the firm to share your insights with us. And from Amber and myself, thank you for joining. You can find all of these podcasts on the McGuire Woods website, the Across the Table page. You can always reach out to Amber or myself for more information. Thank you so much and have a great day. We appreciate you joining us on this episode of Across the Table. To learn more about today's discussion or to contact us, please visit our website at mcguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in the podcast. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action.